time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm alright, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Uh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
Welcome back, everybody, uh, kicking off this uh, second hour of our three-hour tour with uh, Old Thanksgiving, from uh, written by the late, great Dave Kozel, sung by uh, Diane Alderson. That was uh, Gary Clavett on uh, saxophone and Dave Kinder on bass and yours truly on drums. And it's that time of year again. Old Thanksgiving is right around the corner. It's a week from Thursday. We'll have a special show that day, so be sure and tune in for that. A lot of people will be um, celebrating Thanksgiving this year a little bit differently, and uh, maybe we can help accommodate that a little bit by uh, kicking off the holiday season with some great Christmas music. Of course, our Christmas music is better than everybody else's because it's local. All uh, Flint area or music at least from this region um, but some of your favorite Christmas songs just performed by local people anyway uh, we're going to be talking about the most influential projects of 2020 with the chief operating officer from the Project Management Institute next we got uh, lots more uh, cool stuff coming up on uh, today's edition of the Tom Sumner program so stay tuned uh, Joe Cahill is uh, with us straight ahead so don't touch that dial don't click that mouse and welcome back everybody this is the Tom Sumner program um, there are people that are managing to press on despite the impact of the pandemic and um there are uh, there's a, there's an organization called Project Management Institute and every year they come out with a list honoring the 50 most influential projects of that year and their uh, list for 2020 has uh, just come out this month and here from PMI to uh, talk about it is the uh, Chief Operating Officer, Joe Cahill. Joe, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Tom. Are there some people that nothing will stop? Can you please clarify? <laughs> I was just, just saying, with all the things working against project managers, including the pandemic, yeah. are there just some people that that uh, are just impossible to to stop well i think uh it's interesting you bring that up because um i would say uh ironically because we're the project management institute we represent project managers and i would say that they would fall into a category of that type of a person uh there's a there's a certain personality required to be involved in change initiatives and project managers are those those people they bring ideas into reality ideas uh to make the world better ideas to uh, meet challenges 
uh, that are right in front of our faces, like the COVID challenge, the pandemic. Uh, they're there working with their broader teams to get things done. And uh, that's something that's difficult for many people. But I, I think it's an, a natural inclination for the, the project managers that we represent. Yeah, Joe, let me, before we get into the list and, and some of the kinds of projects that made the list, um, tell me a little mm-hmm. bit about uh, PMI, about Project Management Institute, um, what it is, who it's for, um, and that sort of thing. Sure, I'm happy to do that. Tom, the, the Project Management Institute's been around for over 50 years, and we have served and built the project management profession. We've worked along uh, currently with 3 million-plus stakeholders to support them in their careers and by, by doing a number of different things, um, certainly delivering to them traditional project management skills, um, what we call power skills to them, so the leadership skills, the soft skills to help them uh, deliver projects. But uh, most importantly, it's really about the next 50 years um, what what PMI is going to do to bring more and more uh, skills, experiences, uh, communities to project professionals around the world. We are continually evolving and bringing the, the best and the, the latest ways of working to help these project managers get things done in their organizations or in their governments. Is it a, a membership organization or more of a resource center? We are a membership organization. Thank you for asking. We're, we have over 600,000 members around the world, and we have over close to 300,000 chapter members, which um, rep- there's over 300 physical chapters around the world, right? And these wow. chapters are localized versions of PMI where people convene um, to work together, to, to community, build a community, uh, and they serve those individual regions that they're in. Now, it's it's got to be, a, well, maybe it's not so tricky, but it seems like it would be tricky to pick the most influential projects when you're a membership organization. <laughs> Do you ever worry about uh, upsetting the people that get passed over for the list every year? Well, I think that that's always something that's, um, you know, can happen, right? We've been giving awards for decades uh, around the world. Um, you know, people do get disappointed. For, you know, it's a natural thing. Uh, but we have, you know, very disciplined approaches to doing these things. Uh, the people that are involved in, in making these selections are across a broad range of uh, volunteers. There's uh, academia. There's organizational um, components, people that work for companies, governments, thought leaders. So it's a broad range of people to get involved to to make the selections. And we have 50 years of experience in doing it the right way. And what are the criteria for the uh, uh, for the honorees? Yeah, so the, for the most influential project 2020 list, um, it, it essentially reflects how project managers and change makers have found resourceful ways to keep their initiatives moving forward in this pandemic. Uh, it also highlights progress made on many long-standing innovative projects in transportation, renewable energy, architecture, technology, and how they how they reacted during this COVID uh, period. So, you know, these honored projects represent PMI's vision of, of how projects work 
and the change makers behind them represent the creative spirit shaping the world collectively reimagining our new future. So we're, our projects are right in the core, in the middle of uh, the reimagining of the future and the defining of the future. Um, these projects make ideas and dreams a reality, and as a result, they have tremendous impact on the world. Because of the impact of the uh, of the pandemic, is is this year's list um, at all pandemic specific? You'll see uh, there's quite a few very specific to the pandemic um, and projects that were formed to solve for the pandemic and you know, all the different attributes of uh, you know, the pandemic. Not you know everything from a, a vaccine project, which is the most kind of obvious thing to a projects to mobilize um, you know, hospitals. You, you saw many stories where hospitals were mobilized in you know, quick fashion you know, overnight or over a week. Uh, so you have a broad range of those projects, but then you have a broad range of uh, projects that were already existing that had to adapt during this crisis and um, in equal measure, uh, just as important projects because you have to keep the world moving. Uh, projects were there before the crisis for very specific reasons and uh, the project managers and the, the sponsors of the projects uh, wanted to keep them going. And a lot of the stories you'll see in these, in these, on these lists um, show how they did that. More with Project Management Institute Chief Operating Officer Joe Cahill, straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zonjic. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan.
infantry that don't ask why. Hi, I'm Bob Dylan. Remember those fabulous 60s, the marches, the beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music? Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artists who made them famous. You'll thrill to Society's Child by Janicean, Pleasant Valley Sunday by the Monkees, What Have They Done to the Rain by the Searchers, In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley, Silent Night, 7 O'Clock News by Simon and Garfunkel, who can ever forget this all-time classic? Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War. All for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the electric prunes, Jeff Snareplane, Lothar and Hand People, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, cold in protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something that'll tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70 Tom Sumner, Program.com. The Tom Sumner, Program.com. This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. More with Project Management Institute Chief Operating Officer Joe Cahill, straight ahead. You mentioned earlier that um, PMI is always sort of forward-looking. You're looking at these various projects and encouraging people to do things that will have an impact on the next 50 years. We keep hearing... uh, talks of of the the new normal you know the post-pandemic mm-hmm. normal to to what degree are the projects on this uh, most influential projects list of 2020 um going to be responsible for shaping what that new normal is i would say that well i would say projects in general um are always in between the idea and the reality. You need a project. It's a, it's a vehicle to get what a great idea is and get it resourced, get it planned, get it um, into um, the market, if you will, or, or into the community that it was intended to go. If you don't have that part, you know, you have, then you have a list of a bunch of great ideas, right? So that's where project managers step in. Um, they're always in that position to help um, bring ideas into reality, whether, you know, across industry, right? It's not just um, in a, one specific industry. It's, you know, everything from building a bridge to a software project. Uh, so I would say just in that, the very nature of project work, uh, it puts you right in the middle of defining the future, whether it's a new normal or um, something, you know, whatever the characterization of the future is, but we're definitely in the middle of it with our, our stakeholders. Joe, what are some of the projects that uh, that made the list this year, and and who are the project managers? So I can tell you the well. Th- let me just back up and tell you there's a there's a, a number of lists that you'll find on our website. Uh, 
these are top 50 most influential projects. And then there's uh, top 10 projects by industry and then by region. So uh, whatever your interest is, you, you're going to find uh, an area that will really summarize you know, the projects that might be of high interest to you. Um, the ones that I'll say that appeal to me, there's a couple that appeal to me on this long list. That's over 250 projects on the list if you go across all those lists. Um, one was a project called Learning Passport. And it was awarded to, um, for this, this project was awarded for disrupting virtual education and, and helping underprivileged kids that were shut out of classrooms. Um, you know, at the time, the UNICEF was saying that roughly 1.7 billion children around the world were pushed out of their classrooms. And, uh, you know, many of those 1.7 we're able to make a quick shift uh, to a, a virtual learning, but also much, much more than the ones that were able to adapt. Many, many, many more economically and technologically challenged regions had very limited options. And you know, this project was an example of how uh, there was an existing pilot project uh, at UNICEF uh, for a digital learning platform. And what they were able to do is take that existing project and apply it to the, the current challenge, which was a pretty acute challenge with all these kids moving back into their homes. And it was it, it provided them curated in their own language curriculums that helped them through the crisis. They could continue to learn um, despite the fact that they were locked in, in, into their homes. So that was a very exciting project from my perspective. Now, um, did, did that, the U.S. did, yeah. did uh, Sorry, Joe, didn't mean to interrupt, but did that project include getting uh, Internet access into some of those homes, or was it making it available to um, people who already had uh, Internet access? Yeah, this, this, pr this project was focused on actually providing the, the content in local language. Uh, so th that's the, the piece of it. I'm not, I can't answer the question of uh, the Internet access. I'm sure there are other components that, that provided that or other programs. But this program was specific to actually just delivering the content. So, I mean, it was gotcha. a, that was a major problem. Yeah. And uh, I'll tell you another project that uh, caught my interest. Um, it's called the U.S. Digital Response Project. And the reason it, it, it really appealed to me is because it, it's a, there's a volunteering aspect of it, which was at the core of it. Um, this group was able to attract 5,000 volunteers that had technolo you know, technology talent. Um, and these volunteers were mobilized to help local governments solve the problems of the pandemic, right? So, you know, the day before the pandemic, you know, local governments were doing what they do. Uh, the day after, they were then overburdened with a whole new requirement of um, communication, delivering data, helping people get to testing sites and so forth. So um, what this team did was with these volunteers, they were able to, for example, within the first three months, they were able to help 80 local governments with over 100 projects. Uh, and, for example, they were able to help them um, with their websites, with uh, their data collection, data analysis, to get that information out to uh, the constituents about you know, hospitalizations, cases, where to go, uh, things of that nature. And the thing that, you know, that's very impressive in and of itself, is that you have 5,000 volunteers doing this in their free time. Uh, the thing that impresses me even more is they, the learning that they, 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 they gathered from this, they were able to take this idea, this method, this, this model, and start applying it to 
projects for food and housing security, as well as digitizing courts and other government systems. So they took that core idea and they just expanded it into other applications. So it was a very organically growing, you know, it, it formed other projects, if you will. During the pandemic, a lot of people were uh, sheltered in place. Um, many people were able to work from home, some who who weren't. But by and large, were these projects uh, done by people um, and, and, and developed from home offices primarily? Well, I would, I would say most of them were, or at least certainly large components of them were, um, to, to the extent that there's physical aspects of some of these projects that, that you know, they couldn't be done from home for sure. But uh, there was a major shift, as you know, um, to the home, you know, home office. Uh, it's, the technology, and, it's, and it's making a comeback, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. Unfor- unfortunately, it's, it's kind of sad uh, that that's the case. Um, but I, I think there's a company, there's silver linings in there that, you know, in the case of our project managers, they already, they, they already had the skills, you know, to, to make, you know, make ideas reality, to, to bring a team together, to lead a team. Um, you know, they all, they're people that understand the big picture of the project and what the intent of the project is. They understand the business or the government that they work for and how it functions. And they can really articulate, you know, the need for change and what's needed to drive it. And, and without that, um, you, you can really struggle to get the outcomes that, that are intended in, in these projects. So, you know, they were able to do that from home, right? So they made adjustments just like everybody else. But they, they figured out new ways to, to lead the team uh, in a virtual way. Um, and it's different. I mean, I can tell you just because you know, personal experience, just like most of the people listening, that they had to do this stuff from home. You do have to make adjustments. Um, you have to do things differently. You have to take new approaches. So you have to innovate um, in, in order to really get the outcomes that you did before the, the crisis. But, you know, the silver lining is that we can do it. Uh, we can do it from all corners of the earth, right? We have, at least in PMI, we have teams all over the world that you know, help us uh, bring change in our own organization, right? It's, a, it's our, own little, our own little world. But... Uh, these project managers are doing it in large organizations, large governments, uh, delivering you know major major change. Now, the couple of examples that that you gave that that um, that you thought were were interesting seem to involve um, logistics and and uh, infrastructure to some degree. Were there projects that were steeped in? science and medical research oh for sure for sure i mean there's 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 projects um for vaccine developing the vaccines there are projects for building the uh factories that would actually manufacture uh the vaccines there are projects that are just software driven like the ones i the example i gave the the tech the tech people that helped uh these local governments they helped them you know building data models and, and building web pages and portals for people to understand what was going on. So very technical in nature. Um, and you'll find, even, you know, regardless of COVID, projects, you know, run across the, you know, the whole continuum from physical to at one side to completely digital at the other side, and then a mix of everything in between. We're, we're across every industry, um, every government. You're going to find projects. You're always going to find projects when there's change. 
when there's um, the desire, the funding, the intent to change, you're going to find a project. You're going to find a project team that's using project management or using agile principles um, to get things done. I mean, that's how I always characterize it because that's what it is. It's um, it's the harder part, the back end of getting things um, implemented. And and speaking of getting things implemented, how was the uh, the selection process and putting together this year's list different during the pandemic? Well, it was certainly done um, virtually. Um, yeah, I know in the past, um, depending on what the award was, there was certainly a physical component, committee com- component to it. Um, you know, in this case, we we're forced to do everything virtually. But I, you know, it's very, very transferable um, activities to, to the digital world. Thank God. Um, you, you know, the technology can enable the interviews, can enable the collaboration needed to, to come up with the list, and then, and then ultimately to rank those lists. Did were some of the projects um, the kinds of things who made that sort of online collaboration easier? Yeah, for sure. But I, I would, again, I would say that most of them had that. It's not all of them. Some, some, ver, you know, some version of it. It's not the entire project was virtual. Um, certainly, most of it was. But I was, I was just wondering if some of the projects were specifically about making working digitally easier. Not that I can recall specifically. No. I mean, we're all familiar with Zoom, but some other things have popped up, and I just wondered if any of those, um, those, those enhancements to communications were among the projects that uh, made the list. Yeah, one thing I can say: the the all of the projects were enabled by technology, uh, for sure. There's no doubt. Uh, so there's a component of that in everything that you're going to see across all these projects. And then what does this mean to the project uh, managers, the honorees of the list? Is it bragging rights and recognition? Are there, I don't know, monetary awards or... or, no, there's, there's no monetary award. I would, you know, it's, our goal is to recognize these projects, right? I mean, think about any anybody listening right now. You turn on the TV, um, and you get a lot of negative, um, probably too much negative. I've and, been trying to you know, fi- I've been trying here, to find a news source yeah. for something other than the election <laughs> and pandemic. <laughs> I know it, but I, I think this. Where, where I'm going here is that uh, this is an outlet. Um, I mean, think of uh, the whole premise here is these, these are great stories, inspirational stories where people, teams of people uh, around the world were able to make things happen in a very challenged moment in time. Um, and these are great stories. Uh, you know, fundamentally, at the end of the day, a project you know, is a story. It's, uh, it's taking something... Uh, that had you know its it roots in an, uh, an idea and going through all the hard work to get that thing, that idea, um, into the real world and, and delivering some value to to people. Right? It's a, it's a people story. So I, I, I get excited about things like this because of the premise of what you're, we're saying here that there's not a lot of you know positive value. These are, these are all positive, uh, inspiring stories and over 250 of them. So 
yeah, I, it's it's really about recognizing you know, the vehicle of a project and how important it is for our society. And and um, and and who gets to see this? I mean, you come out with this uh, list. Um, how is it disseminated? Well, it's, I can tell you it's on our website. Uh, we'll give you the, the address. It's pmi.org forward slash most dash influential projects. Uh, you'll see it there, and it's it's published in our PMI um, publications as well. So that, that's the, you know, spread the news on that. So that's where you would primarily find that information. Now, how did you end up... Um getting involved with uh, PMI? Personally, I've, I can, I've been with PMI for five years, so a little over five years. Um, I was recruited in August of 2015, and, um, you know, I was very actually very excited when I found out about the opportunity because I knew about PMI for at the time for over 10 years uh, because of its reputation in the marketplace and you know, frankly, because I, I, I knew the value of project management. Um, I was not a project manager. Um, and, but I, I've always worked on projects, right? I was always involved in, uh, change initiatives in the companies I worked for. So the, the, you know, it was appealing. Like I, I moved forward at the opportunity because I knew how important project management was and how strong that brand was. And, you know, being in the company for five years and we've gone through a major transformation and continued to do so, uh, like most companies, um, you know, preparing the, the PMI stakeholders for the future, it's a very exciting thing. I mean, it's it's very broad ranging um, and it's always touching change. We're always in the middle of change. And uh, to me, that's that's very appealing because that's where I want to be personally. I, I just thought it was uh, an interesting shift for you, Joe, because your background seemed to be mostly in finance. Yeah, it was. It was probably my, my whole career in one way, shape, or form. Uh, but, you know, there there was a, a common theme in my finance-type experiences that I was always working on projects, you know, with project managers, uh, you know, to put new systems in, to change the company I was working for. Um, you know, that, to me, you know, that's where I want to be. I want to be in the middle of the change personally. Um, and so it, to me, it's not that much of an extension, you know, and I, I spent 10 years in startups. So I, I would characterize that experience as beyond financial for those on the, that are listening that have worked in startups. You, you wear many hats and, <laughs> I, and I certainly did. Little like nonprofit organizations, you end up doing a little bit of yeah. everything. Um, you do a little bit of everything, right? yeah. Uh, getting back to the point you made about this being, you know, something positive in a year that I've heard referred to as being twenty twenty. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's it's um, it it is good news. What are some of the things that you know? If people go to the website and look through the list, what are some of the things that that people can learn from even if they're not in the same discipline as some of the projects that are being recognized uh, I, well, I think generally speaking uh, if you look at the lists and read the, the descriptions of the projects it, you, don't, you don't need to be uh, an expert by any means um, to, to be drawn uh, to what what these projects did so I would say uh, they have 
common appeal. Uh, they're good stories about how people solve problems. Um, you, you can go in there, anybody can go in there and, and pick it up and uh, understand and, and, and really appreciate what the projects did. So I don't, you know, there's no special skill or interest needed. But if you do have an interest in, in an industry or you live in a specific region, you can drill down and, and look at those particular areas, um, the things that may be specifically interesting to you. But are there skills and, and uh, techniques to be gleaned from taking a closer look at, at some of these? Oh, uh, uh, yeah. So I, w- I would say that you're not going to find that level of detail in these lists. Um, but, you know, certainly that the detail is out there because the project's actually delivered all that. Yeah, it's not the intent of the list to go into that level of detail, but um, suffice it to say, um, these projects were evaluated based on, you know, how they delivered the results. Are there... Is this something that's that's going on all over under our noses that we don't really know unless we are familiar with PMI or this annual list? Are there... Uh, People in garages coming up with the next uh, Microsoft. For sure, I mean we, we do see it. We see it all the time, right? Um, now, you know, I, I think the premise of what I'm saying is that there's always a project between an idea and a reality, right? Um, some people out there will quibble quibble on the word project, but I I, I mean to use the word project because it's an a, an initiative that really focuses on getting a very specific outcome, right? So, and, and again, I'll tie it to change. It, you're always, whenever you're working on a project, you're changing something. You're not working on a project to keep it the same. Um, and yes, it's it's underneath our noses everywhere. Um, projects are as kind of fundamental as uh, in my home here, I have four children. They're working on projects all the time in school, right? Um, you drive down the street, you know, there's signs on the street, they're working on a, on the road or a bridge, that's a project. And in fact, that's a major project. Uh, and, you know, all these projects are tied into uh, an initiative that was thought through somewhere, whether it was in a government or in a company, uh, ultimately to, do, to drive some value, right, um, for whoever the stakeholder is. So we, we do a lot of stakeholder management. Uh, it's a key part of the, the project manager role. So that, uh, you know, when you're in the middle of change, you have to, everybody's got to understand what's going on, right? So you need to think through you know, empathetically from the perspective of the stakeholder, uh, what do they need to know in order to navigate that change? And, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a key component of what we do. And the, the list is the 50 most influential projects of 2020 uh, put out by uh, Project Management Institute, or PMI, as we've been referring to it. Um, my guest is Joe Cahill, Chief Operating Officer. Um, Joe, what is the measure of influential? So the, the, this, in this year's list, uh, the measure of influential is you know, characterized by how these project managers and the change makers found resourceful ways to keep their, their initiatives moving forward um, and, and also address the specific acute issues of COVID-19, um, how they did it under the pressures that they, that they did it uh, to deliver um, the value. Well, and, and finally, Joe, we, we have to, to end here, but um, first I want to say thank you for spending this time and, and sharing 
you know, a, a, a good story in the midst of what is unfortunately a lot of bad news uh, when we turn on our TVs. Um, but uh, I always give guests an opportunity to let people know where they can find out more. You mentioned it earlier, but can we share the website again? Mm -hmm. Happy to do it, Tom. The uh, website is pmi.org forward slash most dash influential projects. Well, Joe, thanks so much, and uh, good luck with compiling next year's list. I hope we get a chance to talk again. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Tom. Take care. That was Joe Cahill, the Chief Operating Officer from Project Management Institute. And uh, this month they came out with their annual list that uh, honors the 50 most influential projects of 2020. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Darkwing Duck here, and every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. It's a major factor in dancing like a retard. It may cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. 
alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy, which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange, it's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman steady sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you, could you be happy if your name This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. In the past few years, a type of meeting place has grown up throughout the country, which is called a coffee house. There are many uninitiated people who have never been into a coffee house, I being one of them. Uh, We're seated now at a table, across from which is a man uh, who seems rather depressed. Uh, sir, uh, you you are depressed. Yeah. Uh, would it be getting too personal to ask you why? I'm not pretty. You are depressed because you feel you're not attractive. I'm not attractive. You're not good looking. No, I'm not. Well, what would you say, sir? That's why I'm I... mainly depressed. Well, may I may I may I say something to you, sir? Yes. You are a very attractive person. You're as attractive as nine out of fifteen people I know. <laughs> You're very kind. But you are. You're not you're an unattractive very, person. You're very sweet, but I, I know the, the truth, and I face it every morning. You're a morning. good-looking man, sir. I'm not a man. I'm a woman. <laughs> oh, 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 I see. Oh, I, I, Listen, I beg your pardon. Uh, we'll, we'll go over to one of the other tables now okay. and see if we can speak. Uh, Goodbye. Thank you very wow. much, sir. Uh, madam. Madam. Um, there's a gentleman sitting here wearing a pair of Levi's, a nicely laundered T-shirt, uh, looking very much like an actor. Uh, I might describe him as looking like a cross between uh, Marlon Brando and Joanne Woodward. <laughs> I, I want to explain that. You do have blonde hair. May we sit and talk with you, sir? 
uh, if you are so uh, in your mind, too. Uh, yes. Was I right, sir? Was I right? Are you an actor? Yes, I uh, happen to be a uh, lesbian. <laughs> I think, uh, I think, <laughs> I think, sir, I think you, can I check you on that? I think it's, uh, you mean thespian. Well, uh, is that what? Thespian. Thespian, actually. Thespian. Yes, yes. I'll never get that wrong again. <laughs> Sir, who is your... Who do you consider the greatest actor we have in America today? The greatest actor in America is Tallulah Bankhead. <laughs> I think she's... Well, she's a, she's a great actress. Yeah, I mean, I don't mean an actor-actress. I mean that she knows what she's doing up there, you know? Well, who else do you like? Who would you pattern yourself after? I would pattern myself after... I love that picture, The Fugitive Kind. I loved it very much. Very much. Uh, so, uh, so you're trying to... I tried to uh, be like Brando with my T-shirt and just look uh, very much like Joanne Woodward, who I love very much. I love her. Well, you know, usually when people... I also look a little like the producer. I love him, too. Marty Giroux. Is that Mar Marty Giroux. He produced that picture. You'll notice my shoes are exactly like his. I love that picture yeah. that much well, sir, that I, I became everything in it. <laughs> I see. Sir, I think I made a mistake. You're not an actor. No, actually. I'm not an actor, well, I'm but, I'm, but I love to hang out here. Okay. Well, it was a pleasure speaking. Well, it was a pleasure almost to be an actor. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah. I've got to wend my way through the crowd. Well, uh, good it. luck on your wending. <laughs> and goodbye. And if I can do anything for you, you just call upon me, sir. Can I talk to you now? <laughs> no. No. Okay. okay. I understand. You have to go to other people yes. on the record. I know that. Yeah, yeah. I know that. All right. I watched you before in the coffee house. All right, ladies. Goodbye. So long. I hope I'm an actor. <laughs> We're going to a corner of the coffee house now. Uh, on the walls surrounding this table are many, many paintings. There's a gentleman sitting here with a palette, palette knife, some brushes, some oils, and I imagine that he is the gentleman who painted these paintings. Am I right, sir? That is correct in your assumption. And the painting... Uh, you are totally correct. Uh, the painting... And impeccably dressed, if I may say so. Thank you. Thank you very much. A lovely tie. Thank you. Gradually blending into the color of your suit. You are always interested in color and design. Color is my life. I am color. Your name is... Uh, what is your name, sir? Corinne Corfu. Corinne Corfu. Uh, you are yes. Greek. You I can... hope I am Greek. I would like to be Greek very much. Well, you're, that is a Greek name, and you have a Greek accent. Yes. Well, then perhaps I am. <laughs> well, don't you know your don't you know your derivation? No, I do not know uh, my derivation. Gypsies stole me as a child. <laughs> a band of gypsies. And you were brought up where? I was brought up in the Persian Gulf, right here in Miami. <laughs> It's the Persian Gulf. No, it's a gypsy tea house. The rest Sir, is called I, the Persian Gulf. I would like to talk to you about your paintings. Now, yes, you certainly may. It's my life. Color and art. I are, love art. They are very unusual. I noticed that... God bless you for your perceptions. <laughs> I noticed one... You also... Uh, you sculpt, too, I noticed. Main, some, uh, sculpting and painting. All the arts. Uh, there is a, a metallic sculpture there that is very interesting. Yes, metal, metallic. What do you call that? It's just a series of wires uh, in a grid-like effect. What oh, you mean you, above the door? Yes, what do you call yes, that? Yes, that's called the air conditioning. <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. I did not uh, make that. No. 
The, the Fetters, the Fetters Company, made, but it's very beautiful. Yes. Your paintings are very abstract, I notice. Yes, but they don't blow air out. So <laughs> like the, the, the machines. No. May I ask you about some of the paintings? For yes, instance, certainly may. That painting there that is entitled... The gull on a hot rock. Yes. Now, I don't see anything on that but a bunch of little specks. Yes, well, I saw the gull on a hot rock from over five miles away. Uh, oh, I, I see. I was standing on a cliff. That's why I painted in the perspective, the three little dots. Now, uh, getting closer, sir, I'm, uh, may I examine a little more closer? Certainly, not too close. Yes. yes. Now, that is not paint those dots. They look like, that's, those are flies. Yes, they are. They're flies. But you didn't paint that. Those are real flies. No, I took them, uh, caught them in my hand until the air was out of their bodies and they died. <laughs> and then I... Uh, you pasted them onto them? little dots of blue and put them on the dots and, and they represent the gold on the rocks. I had to kill them. If I had not killed them, if they were not dead and glued to my picture, <laughs> then I have no picture. <laughs> they fly away, I got nothing, Charlie. I see. In the dark. Well, I excuse you. What are you going to buy? Well, sir... May I ask you about this particular abstract? Yes, they're mainly so, impressionistic, post-impressionistic, yes. pre-impressionistic, and impressionistic. Yes, this one is more of a, an academician type of painting. No, it's not. Well, for instance, it's very graphic, it's very graphic. Yes, it's it, very graphic, the, it's very graphic. The, <laughs> it's a draftsman-like quality. The spaghetti looks like spaghetti, the limp salad looks like limp salad, and the garlic oh, bread oh, looks oh, like garlic bread. Oh, oh, no, that's not a picture, that's my supper. <laughs> I, I, it happens to be resting on a frame and in my easel. Oh, that's my dinner. I eat that. Oh, I'm sorry, yes. sir. It looks. Well, do you like? Wait a minute. Do you really like it? Well, it is. Do you think it looks like the a, composition a is collage of? Uh, yes, it, I thought it was thickly painted. I tell you what. <laughs> I can lacquer it up and give it to you for forty dollars. No, I'm afraid. I'm no. afraid I wouldn't want to take your All deprive right. you of your supper, sir. How about just a coffee and cake? <laughs> Maybe not for twenty dollars. No, sir. Give I'm... me a dollar and a half for the coffee. <laughs> sir, I'm really not interested. Give me forty cents. You can have. It. All right, here's forty cents. Sir. All right. Thank you here's very the much. Coffee and cake. Nice working with you. <laughs> yes. I hope you come in again. I will, sir. God bless your can tie. I... I don't want the coffee. No, you want the picture with the flies? No, you just keep it. Give that. me a dime. <laughs> you can have it. I kill more flies. What the hell is it? All right. Goodbye. In a corner of the coffee house, there's a gentleman sitting with a very, very strange instrument on his lap. Uh, sir, may we speak with you? Hello. <laughs> uh, what is your name, sir? May we get your name? Uh, my name is uh, Charlie Grape. <laughs> Charlie Grape. Yes. Uh, do you perform here at the uh, coffee house? Yes, uh, on occasion I do, and then they uh, they kind of get mad at me, and then I don't. I think I can get permission for you to play for us. I'd oh, like. Can to... you? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I, I would. It's the first time I've ever gotten permission here. Just kinda... We'd certainly like to hear a sample of your music. Certainly. Let me just get tuned up. I'm trying to find an A here. There it is. There it is. <laughs> Got it. First shot out of the box. My A. Now, what are you going to play for us? Uh, 22 men. All right. For the record, 22 men. 22 men. Here we Sung go. Sung by Charlie Grape. Here we are. <laughs> I get mainly A out of it. <laughs> right. I don't get more than A out of it. 
22 men fell down and hurt their knees. 22 men fell down and hurt their knees. 22 men fell down, down to the ground. 22 men fell down and hurt their knees. Would you like to hear the release? Do you have one? Yeah. Now, 22 men fell down and hurt their That's not a release, sir. That's the same as the... Uh, yeah. Bridge. Okay. Okay, how about another t- completely different song and a new tune? Yes, I'd like Okay. It. Can you make it up on the spot? I certainly can. It's my best part. This Making is extemporaneous. Ex- yeah, whatever. 22 German soldiers hurt their knees. <laughs> 22 German soldiers. I think sir, you know sir, that no, tune. No, yeah. It's very similar to the other one. Yeah, well, how does it differ? It differs in the fact that the first 22 men were not German soldiers. <laughs> well, is this the enough? The second 22 men are German soldiers. Well, it's the can same. You, can you play it's the same uh, that they hurt their knees. That's right. You caught me there. Yeah. Can you sing something completely different? Okay. Completely different. You know, the uh, the Calypso balladeers make up songs right on the spot, topical songs. Yes, they Can do. Can you do that? I'll try to. Okay. Okay. 22 Calypso men. <laughs> no, Is that what you meant? No, I meant something topical. Something topical? Yes. I'll try something topical. Let's see what's happening in the world today, here in our great nation. Got it. Big Dick Nixon hurt his knee. Big Dick Nixon hurt his knee. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. Touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.